0: I'm jumping into this thing today. We're going to go somewhere today in his word. How many people are ready to receive from his word today? I want you to uh, turn to the book of Psalm, the Old Testament book of Psalm. And uh, we're going to look at the 73rd chapter of Psalm 73. And uh, I'm starting in launching a new sermon series today simply called Why God? Why God? God And I will be honest with you, I was really prayerful about this because, you know, anytime you get into asking God why, you better have some good answers. And so, but I believe that we, whether you are a follower of Christ or maybe you're here and you're trying to decide if, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, we all have this feeling and oftentimes in our life we have this feeling and question of asking God Why? And we're going to to look at this and we're going to just take a journey through the month of, of August, answering the question, why God? Why am I still struggling financially, God? Why, God? Maybe am I still single? Why, God, am I going through? Why, God, did you not heal him or heal her? It's, it, it's going to be one of those sermon series that I, be, I believe that will bring a rest and a peace to people's hearts that maybe have been struggling with the question, why God? And so we, we look at Psalm 73 and we look at this, which is actually the writing of a man named Asaph. This isn't a particular song. That was David's writing, but this is a particular writing from a man named Asaph. And it says in verse 11, it says, What does God know? They ask, Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep keep myself innocent for no reason. I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. I want to talk to you today. God, why? In a subtitle, why did God let it happen? Why did God let it happen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. For your peace, for your understanding, and for your word. You know how we do this, Holy Spirit. I can't do this without you. And I pray that you'll use this topic, this tricky topic, to help settle some hearts today. Settle some minds today. As we ask you the question, God, why? And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The question that we're tackling this morning is probably the Achilles heel for most people, especially in the faith community. Many of us never doubt God until we do. And many of us trust God in all things until we don't. Why did God let it happen? Let me just put the disclaimer in there. I'm not here to stand up for you to say that I have the answer. Because in its entirety, with different circumstances, and just as I said the title, all of these thoughts came back to your mind. Those thoughts of, you should have been there, God, but you weren't. I was trusting for you to turn this around, but you didn't. And, and you, you've got those thoughts, but the disclaimer is, is I don't know if I've got the answer in its entirety. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There's two sermons that are being preached, the one I'm preaching to you and the one you're going to preach to yourself and it's the one that the holy spirit is going to drop some things in your heart and in your mind not only today but even as we journey through this month that the holy spirit's going to begin to work some things and is going to preach to you i'm just going to be up here just going through what god's laid on my heart and but the real work is going to be the work of the holy spirit god Why? A question that has been asked from the beginning of time. Moses asked the question, why have you brought this trouble to your servant? David asked, oh Lord, why do you stand far off from me? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Habakkuk said this, asked, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Job got real with God and he asked, Why have you made me your target? Jesus, even on the cross, if you think it's even bad to ask why, Jesus settled it on the cross where he says, My God, my God, why have you? Forsaken me. God, why? We all have a God, why question in our life. Questions about that divorce. God, why couldn't you fix him and we would still be married? Why couldn't you fix her and we would still be married? We have questions about the diagnosis. Why do I have to go through this pain? Why do I have to worry about what's going on in my body? Why do I have to go through the struggle? We, we deal with the why of sickness. Why am I still dealing with this diabetes? Why am I still dealing with this heart issue? Why am I dealing where everybody else walks around me and they're healthy? Why am I plagued with this? Why, God? We ask these questions. Why? Why am I dealing with the depression? Everybody else is joyful, but I can't get out of the sadness. Why? Did they have to die? Why couldn't you just have healed them? We prayed. We spoke the word of God. I checked all the faith boxes. I did all the right things. Why, God, did you let it happen? School shootings, mall shootings. A plane going into the World Trade Center. God, why? Why does this have to happen to us? Why do we have to feel the burden of what we feel like you let happen? Maybe you were even abused as a child, and now 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, you're still trying to heal. Why did you let it happen? Do I have anybody's attention today? In our text today, we see a similar cry. Asaph, who is the director of music in the temple during the period of King David, and he's also a prophet. He's a singing worship prophet. And in chapter 73, he he spends the first 14 verses expressing to God, reminding God that good things are happening to bad people. And Asaph is going, why are good things happening to bad people? We can even turn that around. Why is bad things happening to to good people? And he says, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while, while their riches are multiplying. And, and, and this is what we do when, when we're in the kingdom of God. We go, did I not keep myself pure? Everybody else is acting crazy. they living in sin and they're, doing, they're driving better than me, living better than me, look happier than me. And didn't I keep myself pure? God, why did you let that happen? Why did you let that happen? I'm the good one. I'm the one that was praying when nobody else prayed. I'm the one that put my face in the word of God when everybody was living crazy. Why did this have to happen this way? Why? God, did I not keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Why would God allow bad things to happen to good people and good things to happen to bad people? If God is a good God, why would he allow bad things to happen? My answer to that. Love. And I know you think this is you. You've, I know what you're thinking. Kelly has lost His mind. Because if love is a choice, then pain is always possible. If love is a choice, then we get the opportunity to choose it or not choose it. If you have the ability to love, you have the ability to hate. If you have the ability to do right, you automatically, by default, have the ability to choose wrong. And because of that, things happen. Things happen because of the unrighteousness of man. Things happen because of the choice that men make and women make. God created, created us when we went through the creation process in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and he said let there be light and then he separated the waters from the the earth and then god called the dry ground land and then he gathered the waters and he called the waters seas and god saw that it was good and let there be light and there was light there was water there was birds, and there was living creatures on on the land and living creatures in the sea, and God created mankind, and he stood back, and he said, it is good. Then if it's good, why is the bad happening? Well, for all of you guys that are seasoned in the word, you know where I'm going with this. God created... The Garden of Eden for the purpose to never have to ask God why. And the only thing, because the only thing that he did when he created man, he installed the button. The free will button. Because he couldn't achieve any love, some genuine love from us, if he didn't, if he installed the button. So when God was creating, go with me, he's creating all this. He creates man, pulls the dust out of the ground, creates man, pulls out a man, makes the woman. And he, I don't know what he was doing, but he, he probably said, I could put the button on them to where I could press the button and they would do whatever I wanted them to do. But he says, but that would be some cheap love. That would be some cheap love. So I've got to, I got to pull back the button and, and just allow free will to happen from man because I'm going to get the genuineness of their love. If I just let them choose to love me, I can make them love me. I'm God. I'm God by myself. I can make them love me, but I'm going to let them choose to love me. And he built the garden where everything you have and then the fall of man happened. So now the love was met with hate. And now what was meant to be a place where there was complete unity with God, now there is separation. Let me tell you what's more powerful than God. It's the will of a man. For us to love God and to love each other in its purest form, he had to give us free will. I can take My hand, and I can put a fork in my hand, and I can feed you when you're hungry, or I can take my hand and put a gun in my hand and shoot you. And all of that, God didn't do anything wrong. It's not His fault, it's the sinful world that we live in. And it's the struggle that we feel between the love and the hate and the right and the wrong. And whether we're believers or we're not believers, we we toggle back and forth constantly. And so we can't hold God accountable for what man does when he created us to genuinely love him. And genuinely walk with Him and not to allow ourselves, but we live in a fallen world. The Garden of Eden was created for man and woman to enjoy life without the hindrance and the consequences of bad choices. God created garden rules for blessings and not burdens. But when mankind treats God's expectations as burdens that are holding them back, free will, kicks in becomes, because the, 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 the free will becomes higher than God and the fall of man happens. Even Paul says it in Romans 5.12. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. God didn't do it. They did it. And I know you, it's easy to go to ball up our fists and go, God, why didn't you let this happen? And it is the fall of man that did it. So things happen because of the unrighteousness of man. And then also this, things happen because of the unexpected turns of life. Sometimes life is just hard. I know that's not just rocket science for anybody. Ain't nobody got to tweet that. Don't even tweet and give me credit because everybody don't know it. Life is just difficult. And sometimes it's just some unexpected terms. I won't turn there, but in 1 Samuel 22, there's a story where David is running from King Saul and he runs into a cave called Adullam. And, in, and when he gets in the cave, he's trying just to, he's anointed to be the next king and he's running for his life. It does not look like anything, like the purpose and the plan that God has for his life. And he's running to save his life. And then when he's in the cave trying to recover trying to figure out God why all of a sudden here's people coming in in the cave it's his mom and dad hey mom hey dad what are you doing in the cave I'm trying I'm asking God why and you're here like hey honey are you okay you're looking skinny are you hungry you hungry can I fix you something can I get you something to eat it's like mom I'm 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 asking God why and and then not only did mom and dad show up in the cave read it read I'm telling the truth not only did mom and dad show up in the cave 400 men and it says they weren't just 400 men to say, hey, man, we're just here to lift you up, David, just to help you. They said they were distressed, they were discouraged, and they were in debt. And the Bible says that David became captain over them. It's so interesting that, that David is trying to ask God why, and God will still assign people to our life to help them answer their why. It's amazing how that happens. And so what happens is David doesn't know what to do. So he goes he goes to King Moab and he says, I need to take mom and dad to you and I need you to take care of mom and dad. Will you please let them stay here till I figure out what the Lord is saying to me. And then he comes across the prophet Gad and here's what the prophet Gad tells him. He says, don't stay in the stronghold. Don't stay in the cave asking God why. Don't stay. And he tells them, he says, go to Judah. And guess where Judah is? Judah is where Saul lives. So he had he was the prophet Gad instructed him to go back quit running trying to find the answer why and and face the situation of your life face it because listen the only way you're going to get healing from the why is you can't keep running you can't keep falling your fist you can't keep hanging out in caves you can't keep doing this because God has called you to more than just that and you've got to stand up and you've got to go back and face it so what did he do with the pain he he didn't run anymore and he says okay I've got this pain So how do we deal with the pain of the why did God let this happen? I'm going to help you today because I'm not just going to lay a bunch of heaviness on you without giving you some application to help you. And the first thing you need to do is re-engage with the goodness of God. Just because it's bad doesn't remove that he's good. (laughs) It doesn't cancel out the goodness of God. And it's it. God has always been good. I mean, we remember with the old church that says God is good, and all the time, it don't matter how many questions and how much we're balling up our fists to God and say, "Why'd you let this happen?" It doesn't. It doesn't remove the goodness of God in our life. So we've got to reengage with the goodness of God. Either God is all powerful. And he's not good and therefore he doesn't stop bad things from happening or he's all good but not powerful and therefore he can't stop bad things from happening. Let me just tell you, God is powerful. And he's still good. He's still powerful to get you through this. And he's still good. He's still powerful to save your family. And he's still good. He's still powerful. to Even though it was a terrible situation that happened to you three years ago. In the middle of a pandemic that was coming up. And, and you lost everything you thought you were going to. You lost your house. You lost your, ca- your car. You lost everything. Maybe you felt a crisis in your life. It still tells us that God is still powerful. And he's still good. Even Jesus said in Luke 18, 19, he said, Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. And it may feel like that you're in the middle of asking God why and it feels like you're all alone. Guess what? The good God that is with you, he is still good all alone for you and he's there for you. God isn't good just because that's my opinion of him or because I personally agree with his words or his actions. God is good because he says he's good. And if God says he's good, then I'm just going to believe it. I need somebody right here that feels like you're going through a storm, that it may not feel like it's a really good season, but I'm here to tell you that you can still stand up on both your feet and plant both your feet on the ground and say, God, I'm still going to throw up my hands and praise you again and again. And I'm going to sing hallelujah, hallelujah, because you are still a good God. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures and ever, endeavor, endeavor. He is still good. If you can just take that. Does it remove the questions? Nah. It just changes the subject. It just changes the subject. I don't know the answer to this. But oh my God, he's still good. you gotta, you got to get engaged, re-engage with the goodness. Of God, Rick Warren, I, I watched a video of him and he said this. He goes, I used to think that life was hills and valleys. You go through a dark time, then you go to the mountain and you're back and forth like hills and valleys. He goes, I don't even believe that anymore. Rather than live, rather than life being hills and valleys, I believe that it's kind of like two rails on a railroad track. This helped me. And at all times you have something good that's happening and something bad is right there. And then, and then during those times, no matter how good things are in your life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. And then when things are bad, there's always something good to thank God for. And if we could start, I, that just set me free. If we could start seeing our life Forget the mountains and the valleys. I know we preach about it, we sing about it, and it's good to, It's good preaching material. We can be on the mountain, but we're in the valley, that's great, but I just like to just settle in and go, my life is like railroad tracks, and then when he is good, I know I've got some bad that I'm working on. I'm not gonna blame God for my bad. I'm just gonna remember that he's good, and then when it feels like that there's some bad that's going on, even though I'm trying to go through a storm in my life, I can look behind me and go, well, there's my God. He's still good. He's still got me in the middle of the mess. I wonder if there's anybody here today that say, put me on that track to let me know and to train my heart to say at the end of the day when all the bad stuff and you didn't answer the prayer request and you didn't do what you were, I thought you were gonna do and I checked all the boxes, I'm still gonna stand here and say that you are. Somebody put your hands together and give them a good praise right there. You're still good. You are still good. The old song says, I've had some good days. And I've had some hills to climb. And I've had some weary days. I've had some sleepless nights. But when I look around and I think things over, all of my good days, woo! They outweigh my bad days. I think y'all know that song. I'm not gonna complain because God is good. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for being good to me. Oh, Amen. David discovered the goodness of God when he said in Psalms 27, he goes, I remain confident in this, colon. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is good. Jesus, I'm loving this sermon series already. Because even though I have some why questions, man, I'm just hung up on that. Maybe I need it for myself. God is still good and Asaph discovered the goodness of god because in verse 16 we keep reading and he goes but when i thought about how to understand this he starts getting it he goes when i thought about how to understand this why everybody the, the 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 good things are happening to bad people and i'm trying to figure out i was praying i was doing all the right things but when i thought about how to understand this it seemed to me a wearisome task until i went To the sanctuary of God. Then I discovered their end. The old worship leader Asaph. The old prophet worship leader singing Asaph. With his skinny jeans on. (laughs) Knew the secret weapon. He goes, I got to get to the presence of God. Because listen, there ain't, let me say, let me tell you what God can handle in his presence. He can handle your, why'd you let this happen? You don't have to have it. You can walk in with your fists a little clenched in his presence. And then when you just get to the house of God and to the presence of the Lord, then you understand the power of God. And you'll find your fists just kind of getting a little unclenched. And you'll find your hands up in the air. And you'll be waving them like you just don't. I just don't care. There's something powerful in the presence of God. I've discovered something about myself and my personal worship. Sometimes I get up early. If you're a pastor, you're ex-pastor elders here, he'll tell you. Sometimes preachers and pastors just don't sleep all night. We just don't sleep all night. And so sometimes I'll get up and I'll I'll pray. And and I've, I've laid down and I will turn on worship music. And and even though my spirit desires to worship God, sometimes, as we talked about a few weeks ago with our missing peace series, that's (laughs) it. Peace. (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me, Jesus. Miss (laughs) peace. (laughs) Missing peace. Missing peace series at home peace is what i said <laughs> hope you don't have your closed caption on that's all i'm saying <laughs> what i found out is that my soul is where my worry my stress my frustration all it's where my soul is And my body is what responds when we talked about that response to what my soul and my spirit my spirit and my soul can come in agreement then all of a sudden i feel better my heart ain't racing I ain't got high blood pressure. I mean, I ain't got all these things. And so what I found out is as I begin to pray and I begin to worship, and I would actually fall asleep. And so when I fall asleep, my soul is quietened. And the spirit that's coming from the presence of worship is ministering to my body. So I wake up feeling like, let's go. It's because my soul has been quietened within me and the spirit of worship, the presence of God that I'm allowing to run through my life, even while I'm sleeping, I've been sleeping a lot with worship lately because it's ministering to me. Because, listen, when I'm trying to figure out, God, why did this, you let this happen? I just need to get to the presence of God. asap. realized, I just got to get to the sanctuary. I just got to get to the presence of God because I don't know what's going on. But when I start thinking about it, I realize that all I need is just a touch from the spirit of God. I'm just here to tell you, worship still works. Push your neighbor and say, worship still works. It still works works find his presence it's the thing that will help you it will cure your it will cure your troubled soul it will cure your confused mind your aching heart your frustration with God your overwhelmed thoughts just get to this presence allow the presence of God to throw to flow through your life and then this is my last point is this helping anybody today I'm trying y'all I'm kind of sweating a little bit just a little bit so here's what we do. We trust God even when he's not fair. That's a big one. That's a big one. We trust God even when he's not fair. Let me tell you a story. Some of you that are long time pathway of lifers, <laughs> been a part of our church for a long time, you'll know this guy, Kelly Hickey, a bass player that we used to have played, good friend, we've known each other since we were teenagers. And we would um, play music together, learn music together. He was our bass, bass guitar player for many for many years and uh, moved on, started playing some music outside, just doing various things. And I remember it was the month of February, 16 years ago. And he called me and he says, listen, we got this opportun- I got this opportunity to play and they have a keyboardist that's not going to be available. Would you be available to go? And I was like, well, let me think it over. When is it? It's a Saturday night, and it's in, it's in Oklahoma. And so then when I, <clears throat> when I thought about it, and at the time, I didn't have the team that we have built up like we do today. And I thought, man, it can snow in Oklahoma in February. And I'm afraid that I'll get stuck there, and I won't make it back to church for Sunday morning. I declined. So we go on. That Saturday night, I'm at home. He's gone to play. And a good friend of mine, I get a phone call. He was killed in a car wreck. Just overcorrected on the freeway. I-35 going through Denton area. And they said that he just, he overcorrected and went over to this side of the road. And his truck just rolled killed him on impact he was recently married and had a child a baby boy never had he was married before but never had children finally he gets his own baby boy i think harrison was probably 3 or 4 months old and i'm sitting there paralyzed in my seat at home thinking i should have been in that car And I had this immense, my first reaction was guilt. Maybe he dropped something on the ground and I could have been there to pick it up because he probably reached over and tried to pick it up. And I felt this guilt. Obviously, my pastoral responsibilities kicked in. I reached in, reached out to his now widow. And I said, we're here, I'm so sorry, we're here here to help. And I, I remember... I remember the the pain that I was wrestling with inside. And I remember trying to work through this and I kicked in. I just kind of blocked out the thought of what happened and what the wrestling was inside of my heart about it. And I would tell a few people, of course, Holly, my parents and others, I was like, I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be in that car that night. I, I should have helped. And people would say, well, no, no, but God spared you. And I was like, no, but it's not fair. Why would he spare me? And take him. This is my friend. Why do I get lucky? It was rough, y'all. So we planned the funeral. And in this room, I remember those doors right back there opening up where this widow holding her baby, his child. Walking through the place is packed. And I just hear her wailing, just uh, breaking the silence, crying out in grief that's so heavy. Wow, his body lays right here. I was in that sound booth because I had already played the music. I've already played, I already played music and I did some singing and I was just doing what pastors do. Or at that time, what a music pastor would do. And I saw her walk in and I was standing right where Greg is and I was in the back and I remember she walked through and the grief was something you could cut with a knife. I've never felt grief like that before. It was so heavy. And I said these words out of my mouth to God. I didn't say them loud but I said them out loud to myself. I said, God, you're wrong for this. I said it. I was frustrated. I was hurting. I was responsible but I wasn't. I just wrestled with it. It was the hardest day of my life. And yeah, he wasn't my family, but he could have been. And he, of course, was a part of our church family. And so it was heavy. It was heavy. And I just said, God, you are wrong for this. You should have been there. You shouldn't have let that happen. It wasn't fair for a little boy To grow up without his dad. Not when that man waited for his own child. Why did you let this happen? So I went through that and I carried that burden for a few months until I finally come to the conclusion. And I had to come to the conclusion that I trust God. Not because he's fair. But because he's my father. Because he's my father, I will trust him. And I stopped keeping score that day. So we fast forward 16, 17 years, and here's Harrison. He's a stellar student. He's a student that, will, um, that is playing baseball, and Kelly loved baseball. He always wore a San Francisco Giants hat. I don't know why. I don't know why. He was a Texas boy, but he loved the Giants for some reason. I don't want to get it. Played softball, but now his his son now is a part of, of this. And, and, and it's, it was something that was so powerful to see. And it was something that I was able to reconnect with them and I thought I had pictures, but I forgot to get them up there. I was heavy on this service because here's the thing, is I realized that even 16 years later, he'll post a picture on his dad's birthday of him kneeling by his dad's grave. But I'm not, I don't feel bound by it anymore. Because sometimes when it feels like That you don't know what to do and you're going, God, why did you let this happen? You have to make a decision. God, I trust you. Because you're my father. I don't agree with you. And guess what? 16 years later, I still don't agree. I don't agree. It should have turned out differently. You got your story too. And I preach this whole sermon to to lead us here. To get you to understand and to help you maybe understand that it's okay to not feel like God was fair. He can handle it. And he's not even mad at you for questioning that. He can handle it. But what I am here to tell you is that God is your Father. And he cares that you're hurting, he cares that you're frustrated, he cares that you're carrying it. He cares. He cares. And there's nothing in the word that says from Genesis to Revelation that God was ever going to be fair. He never promised fairness. He said he's just. Said that he's loving. And I know some of you that you're feeling the pressure of why, God, did you have to take him so soon? Why, God, do you have to take them so soon? Here's what I want you to do. God never promised us his fairness, but he did promise his faithfulness. Here's what I want you to do: fix your eyes back on Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before I'm speaking for joy to be reset before you. And then admit your pain. Admit it. You're a little upset with God over it. It's okay. He can handle it. Don't feel bad because you had that feeling. Admit it. It's painful. It still is painful five years later. For me, 16 years later, it's still painful 20 years later. You, you petitioned God for the change. You pushed and you had people pray. You fasted. You, you did everything. And it didn't seem like it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Admit the pain. It's okay because God's close. Psalms thirty four eighteen says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. C.S. Lewis has this quote says, The problem with pain is that pain requires attention. And if you're ignoring it, you'll keep your fists clenched toward God. Why did you let this happen? And then here's you invite God into your pain. Psalms 121 says, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Call on him in the pain. You don't have to filter the words. God can handle it. He can handle it. God, I don't always understand you, but I need you. And here's the thing. The pain of it, the frustration of it has kept you from reaching out to him. It's just this weird relationship. It's like the silent treatment. You love him. We know he loves you. You're just kind of stuck in the silent treatment. So rest so rest in that. Invite God into your pain. And then rest in the mystery of God. That's a big one. Fair. This is this is a fair. Rest in the mystery of God. Isaiah paints the picture for us. He says, listen, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor my ways are your ways. Says the Lord. He didn't, he, he said it. I don't think like you. I don't respond like you and rest in that God asks for trust he doesn't ask for understanding I'll say it again God is asking for you to trust him he's not asking for you to understand him so set yourself free unburden your heart unburden your mind by trying to understand him There's healing that is taking place in this room right now. There's healing taking place. I didn't hit a nerve today. The Holy Spirit hit a nerve today. I I didn't do this. The Holy Spirit is surgically working on your spirit right now. To begin to realign yourself to who you are in him. Quit trying to chase the fairness of God and lean into the faithfulness of God. Asaph. Asaph said this in verse 23. He goes, nevertheless, I am continually with you. This is what he's saying to the Lord. I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom I have in heaven but you. Who do I have but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And here's the popular verse there. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And he's my portion forever forever I want you to stand up here's the altar call that the Holy Spirit wanted me to do I'm going to lead you in a not fair prayer I'm going to lead you in a not fair prayer everybody just kind of just chill nobody moving around a lot please 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 Please, 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 please. I don't want anybody to be distracted. As I said, the Holy Spirit is healing, and I don't want their eyes to catch somebody walking out. Just shh. Not fair prayer. And here's the way I'm gonna start this. I wrote this down. Father, I feel like you are wrong for filling the blank. And you don't have to say it out loud. But I just want to pray this and I'm just going to allow some silence and I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father, I feel like you were wrong for... Say that after me. Say, Father, I feel like you were wrong for that. Now, what is that? Stop right there. Shh. What is that? Nobody moving around. Shh. What, is what is that? What is that? Fill in that blank right now. should have healed them you should have saved them you should have delivered them and i feel like you are wrong for that and keep repeating say forgive me for holding you unresponsive forgive me for holding you responsible say that forgive me for holding you responsible now repeat repeat after me say god forgive me Forgive me for feeling this way. I have felt this in my heart toward you. God, remove the trauma out of my heart. God, remove the fear that the trauma caused. God, remove the bitterness I have carried. Even though my flesh and my heart may fail, God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now just raise your hands and just receive it. Just Let surgery happen in this place right now. Let surgery happen. Let the Holy Spirit just remove the root of it. Quit chasing the fairness of God right now. And it may feel a little cruel for me to say it, but I'm going to say it. It doesn't matter anymore. Lean into the faithfulness of God right now and let go of the fairness of God. Do it, Lord do it right now god to his spirit of god set your people free god let someone realize god today let their fist become unclenched right now in the name of jesus let them rest in you god let them find your goodness again Good, Tony. Stay there. Just prophesy over them with that. Oh, Lord, right now we need your faithfulness. We let go of fairness. We embrace your faithfulness. We let go of fairness. We embrace your faithfulness. Because you are good. You are holy, you're righteous Lord. Yeah. There's good news. I've read the back of the book. And here's what it says. Revelation's 21. Verse 4 says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. All these things are gone forever. Be healed today. Ooh, it's heavy in here today, y'all. Be healed today, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this was a resource and a blessing to your life. Go to our webpage, polc.cc, to connect with us on all of the things that we're doing. and We want to stay connected to you because we believe God has some great things for you.